Welcome to the show. I'm Genesee. I'm Eric. I'm Daniel. I'm Dave. I'm Tinzian. And this is Death to Fortis Honor. <laughs> Never mind. I'm I'm too tired for this shit. <laughs> Ha ha. Ha 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 ha. Ha. Annihilation, Jim. Total, complete, absolute annihilation. The gravity is so much stronger on the southern continent. Are you sure she doesn't have to spread friendship and magic as part of her daily morning routine? (laughs) That's 12th level, I think. Not even whisper or utter my name in your last moments. <laughs> that totally defeats the purpose. Cesar, do you have any sun rods still, or <laughs> bring out your rods, old man? Private confrontation. Not like that. Maybe some discipline. <laughs> Had his hands in all of Cesar's junk. Six <laughs> oh wait, that's not what I meant. <laughs> wow, we have a title. That's wrong. That's really wrong. (laughs) What? We need dice for this game? Welcome to the show. Who do we got here tonight? Well, I'm here. My name is Eric. I am a Leo. Uh, My eyes are blue. My hair is brown. And I am tired. I'm Daniel, and I'm drinking booze. And I'm Dave. (laughs) The boring one. (laughs) Well, there was a natural progression. It was like high, medium, and low. Oh, okay. That's what I I bring. Does that make you baby bear? I must be the paved (laughs) over bottom landfill that the ET cartridges are buried in. I'm Tinsian. (laughs) And I think tonight, uh, since Genesee is not going to be around um, we're gonna do something a little different and just kind of have a uh, little bantering round table on D&D and other RPGs that we might be interested in playing. I'm still trying to find in the last two episodes where the whole discussion of Orcus happened. A couple people including Dave and Rabbit have pulled out uh, questions asking if that actually happened in game or not. I'm pretty sure it did, so I'm going to go and do some research and try and find that out. And if there is something that needs to be fixed, I'll go ahead and do that. Um, since we don't have the full group here tonight and we're not doing a story thing, is there anything that you guys want to cover in terms of information that you're not clear of at this point in the podcast? or Not particularly. I think everything's kind of going... Mm-hmm. Swimmingly, I, I don't have any questions. If I've got any questions, I usually ask during game. Mm-hmm. But do you think there's anything that the listeners out, outside may need to uh, know about? Hmm, I don't know. Um, I don't know. No, I I can't really think of anything off the top of my head, but I think once we get the ball rolling... I think I think one thing that might help is maybe going over a little bit uh, in terms of timeline, not necessarily like what happened consecutively, but with the whole lengthening and shortening of time and relativity and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like especially once that with the whole battle and everything. 
and then now just discovering another jump or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of elements in play that the party hasn't quite discovered yet. They do know that they're suddenly sucked in from this small-time little adventuring outfit into something that's much larger than their own, and nobody's quite sure if they're the pawns or the players in whatever this larger event is or portion of a larger event. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting parts is that you guys run into a lot of time pockets. You know that I think at least only Cesar knows for certain that um, he has future versions of both himself and Xanatari. I think I passed that information along. Mm, it's, Didn't I? It's possible, but I don't think that there was much reaction to it. And mm -hmm. Dave, right now, Sabre hasn't had any information regarding um, if there is a future Sabre or not. Oh, boy. I don't even know whether Sabre even knows about the existence of the Time Teller. No, Sabre, I don't I don't, I don't so. think knows that. I, I know Sabre's been to um, the town, but I don't think was subjected to any of the, the funkiness. <laughs> All right, here we go. So the interesting part is that Sabre's been, been to the town, only knows there's the adventuring company has come out to try and find this, but there's no other, no other bits and pieces and knowledge beyond just hey, this place is kind of crazy. Kinda. You guys <laughs> really do run into a lot of time things, and I, and I don't think that I'm using it as a crutch, per se. Seems to me it'd be a, a part of the plot. It, it, you know, it ties in well enough, and it, it has reasoning behind why it happened, you know, it, it, if anything, it feels like more of a catalyst for the story, you know, it keeps things going, keeps things interesting, uh, interesting. I swear I haven't had that many. It's the, um, I think in a sense, it's sort of the montage, giving the montage effect, but having some play ability happen without going, okay, well, here's for the next 17 adventures if you guys try to cross a field. Here's one fight. That was quite a crazy time pocket. That was. But instead, it's more along the lines of, here's the Lord of the Rings movie. There are these epic fights that you know take far would take far longer if they were played out. But in movie sense and time, it's only about 10 minutes of screen. Mm -hmm. But when you read it, um, it's probably a, a, a lot longer description. And... Trying to play to the mental theater is putting people into that sort of perspective, and that's kind of how I'm approaching. Instead of just here's you know a plot hook that just keeps showing up, there is there are reasons for it. But where the party is right now, that's mm, not really on the plate for a, as as far as a discovery portion. Yeah, I I gotta say that when we did the field episode. Or when you guys did the field episode so many ages ago now, it consistently reminds me of Monty Python the Holy Grail, where John oh, Cleese yeah. keeps running up to the to the yeah. wall and it just rewinds, it just keeps happening. Yeah. Really? I, I just I just think that and I would like to have a moment like that again, just where it takes us like three weeks to cross a single room for no particular reason. It's just like, take three steps forward, start back at the beginning of room. 
I can I can sort of um, hear Genesis' head um, exploding into um, <laughs> various component parts if if I was to try and do that again. It's I don't know. We spent enough time in the room with that chest, so yeah. But that was also, I think, kind of an effective effective bit. All told, I I think things are going. I think things are going well. Um, there was a lot more to the seven pillared hall adventure in the Underdark than what we actually did, if you look at the module. <laughs> but you know, the way. <laughs> Wait a minute, there's something planned for this? Yeah, well, at one point in time, a long, long time ago, there was. <laughs> but now, no. And that's, that's probably so good. But so, is, is there anything along the way that, you know, maybe it's far enough past or, you know, sort of a bridge that we've already crossed that there was maybe a path you would planned for us to possibly take or expected us to take that you at least th fleshed out a little bit or outlined that didn't happen that you could tell us about? Sort of unexplored futures? I don't necessarily think so. Um, I try not I know to you pretty much go pretty much as it, you roll with whatever happens, but... I try to. Um, I think the only real thing that I've tried to flesh out was getting you guys to go down that grate or get oh. the chest open at some point in time in, uh -huh. in the recent... Otherwise, when um, you guys encountered the airship many episodes ago after seeing future Cesar um, and so mm -hmm. forth, I figured one of you might try to figure out a way to get onto it or try to signal it somehow. Um, maybe there was always a possibility that you guys would have interrogated um, more Mithrin's horse or... Um, not necessarily interrogated, but investigated that situation, the story, <laughs> the staff, um, the swords, you know, just the different bits. There was, there's always kind of things to go. Or you guys mm -hmm. just may not have said, hey, we're not leaving town. Yeah. We're going to go kick open the door of this tower, raise it, you know, stone by stone, bring it down. Mm -hmm. It's really kind of playing off where dropping breadcrumbs, but you guys could take a anyway mm -hmm. and a lot of the early stuff was me leading by the hands and now I'm trying to let you guys run more of the yeah the overarching bits while I kind of run the macro stuff so here's a question what would have happened had we not opened that chest uh, probably there would have been more of a dungeon crawl there would have been more drow encounters. Could have run into the city, given time or pass, whether you fought your way down or were stealthy enough and got your way down. At which point, um, you have to deal with the city, potentially deal with the priests of Loth. There was a hook that could have been used um, for a extra planner um, time, not time jump, but. Uh, Extra planner hop to one of Loth's realms. Um, not the abyss, but there was a sub little, sub little bubble that was talked about somewhere that I thought sounded really cool and was gonna had some ideas there. Um, in short, you know, party versus Drow City. Mm -hmm. 
with whatever caveats and things had happened along. It could have been a five five episode romp down there. It could have been a two out two episode. It's really anything, but I think just the notion of using Loth instead of as a foil to the party, using her as a foil to her own nature, I think just sounded like more fun podcasting, so and more of a story because everyone's kind of like, yes, Loth, badass. Okay, you, you don't want to really screw with her. <laughs> but what if the drow actually decided to do something that was slightly contrary to her? You know, how forgiving and lenient is she? She's not. You know, <laughs> there's what Loth wants and there's what Loth expects. And if you don't do it, well, she's just going to, you know, carve, carve that cancer right out. And not only would the um, group have died in terms of the, the drow group have died, but it would probably have been much more of a personal and intimate death for each <laughs> of those drow as the sphere goes down and just starts going to each one and touching them and blowing them, you know, and then absorbing them, then destroying the city. Whereas here it's Bert absorbing or somehow interacting with the um, the sphere of annihilation and doing this beam of almost death, which I guess sort of brings us to the next question. Um, well, the question I have is: What if we'd never worked out how to harness the orb of annihilation? What if we? What, in, in your opinion, what what would you have done to avoid ending the <laughs> campaign early? Um. I don't think I would have. If if there if there was something the the party generally, I'm very tolerant with rolls on. Um, mm -hmm. We don't do things in a standard format by any means. So just having a situation of danger where, okay, you guys are just not getting it, just not getting it, just not getting it, just not getting it, has never happened. There may be this should be how things go, but you guys MacGyver things together and come up with a reasonable explanation as to why something's going to happen. So I don't think I'd necessarily go out of the way to kill you guys, but if there was just an absolute series of, wow, you're just failing rolls left, 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 and right, something of importance would probably have been blown up, absorbed. Maybe one of you guys would have... Um, been annihilated <gasps> or dun, dun, dun. you get enough of rolls you gain proficiency with the sphere of annihilation it's not a pet it's still very dangerous but you get an idea of how to how to operate it okay well you take it along it's a very potent tool that could have been used in that dungeon romp or you take it down there and you'd be like okay well you know what here we are Face, you know, the party is faced with an entire army of drow. You send the sphere out, and it zots whatever priestess is standing in the forefront, because, you know, the biggest and the badass, best badass priest is going to be standing there. And it just goes... That's, you know, a form of diplomacy. Maybe... <laughs> maybe four members of a party that has no legitimate tank 
can go up that way. Or, hey, you guys have this vantage point that nobody really knows about except for technically the High Priestess. Huh, I wonder what the range of this thing is. So that sort of just makes me want to like wander into Loth's lair like you had planned. And just like, oh, isn't isn't that Loth? Orb of Annihilation. Well... Destroy a god. Hmm. Well, how how many times have you killed, quote-unquote, Orcus so far? None. We've only ever thwarted him uh, coming into the world. I think we ended up closing the... Well, yeah, we ended up closing the portal by um, some random idiot sticking his hand into it. (laughs) Right. But you, But you, you, you thwarted a god... You've just blasted, in theory, and I use air quotes for the non-video people here, blasted Orcus out of a portal after he ripped, you know, after he basically throttled the um, Temple of Loth like a, a neck. I would only say twice. We've, we've thought it, well, we've killed an avatar of, of Orcus once, and we've stopped him from entering the world once. We actually haven't had that many run-ins with Orcus as a being. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you, yeah. you You have um, thwarted Loth because you stopped the invasion during the mm-hmm. you know, X number of years war that went mm-hmm. on in that area. It's... You guys are pretty meddlesome for... <laughs> for this thing, but you, you, you do seem to be in between some sort of pissing match mm-hmm. um, for one reason or another you definitely got deities that are interacting with you guys very closely <laughs> so I have to deal with Thorn either as the Joker sometimes or the not Joker here's how the character actually is I have to deal with Sabre I have to deal with Eric you know and Eric and C- uh, Cesar and also as Eric the player, and then Genesee and Xanatari, again, as player versus character. I'm pretty open to whatever you guys wind up doing and then spinning it around there. So, yeah, there's a whole other choose-your-own-adventure to pretty much anything. So you could have gone down there, could have dealt with a city... Mm, who knows how that would have turned out? I think okay. I think I think it was a little I think it was a little more fun taking the path less traveled and hey, here's how you wipe out a city. <laughs> well, we don't we don't do things that aren't mundane by any means or stretch of the imagination. Yeah, uh, I think. I think sometimes maybe, though, we're going to have to get a couple episodes where there is some degree of mundane to a bit, and I've got a couple ideas on that. Okay. <laughs> is there anything that you would like to see as a DM? I mean, obviously, we get away with a lot of stuff as, as players, um, you know, in regards to Cesar having low-light vision, even though he's, like, 100 years old and can invent goggles. Yeah. And um, Sabray, you know, is, is obviously this... Awesomely powerful agent of uh, Elstro. Is there anything that you would like to see us players start to uh, incorporate or achieve or um, 
No, yes. I, I, I think, I think my only real expectation and my beginning source of happiness each week is that you guys are going to show up. <laughs> Yay! Four <laughs> more bodies. No, it's you know, it's it's it's, it's it's not a it's not a warm body podcast. Uh, it's, no. I mean, I mean, Dave, you were brought on for maybe a, a what originally a one or two yeah. uh, episode NPC shtick thing and you know wound up like oh hey i'm okay i'm part of the party and we're like okay (laughs) you'll be here next week right yeah (laughs) okay yeah Yeah, you'll be here next week right you were you were the you were the guest slot that keeps on keeps on bad pity i just you you have worn out your welcome why are you still here (laughs) it's actually actually a good somewhat segue for you for you uh dave Mm. um when you came on, and I know we've had a lot of side chats on uh, Twitter and so forth in terms of projecting yourself as a player and as a character and trying to separate the two sometimes, mm-hmm. um, where do you think you entered in terms of being a player and being a character, being thrust out onto this this stage versus now, what is it, four or five months in? Four months, three months, somewhere in there. Do well, you think you're different as a player, or what are you cognizant of? Well, I think it's you know I think more and more of her story is starting to come out. I mean, there's more and more kind of insights into you know what she's doing and who she is. I mean, it's it's you know we talked about time earlier, and it's the difference of yeah, it's been four or five months episodically, but in actual game time you know it's what two days maybe three tops so i think like, i think you guys have been down a lot longer i think it's more like two weeks all in all that you've been in the hall mm. portion but down in the underdark yeah it's been far less like two three days yeah so it's you know there's a lot of stuff that it's like wouldn't have come out yet you know it's like you don't really know someone in that little amount of time but Mm -hmm. you know i like the whole bit now with the kind of the the uh kind of crisis of faith that she's going through in fact i was when i saw your post that we weren't doing a story episode that i was like shit i've been like i had worked this whole thing out in my head and now (laughs) i'm gonna have to write it down or i'll forget it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, and that's, well, that, that's kind of the difficult part for continuity's sake. You know, I'm I'm thinking like, okay, here we're going for five, you know, month number five, but hey, it's been two weeks trying to make that that two week thing go in. But go on with what you were gonna. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, there's you know this whole the way this whole thing has kind of transpired is not exactly how I had pictured it in my head. So it's like. You kind of have to adjust. The funny thing is thinking about it a week at a time. So it's Mm -hmm. like you leave on after we finish Friday and you start thinking about it. All right, well, next Friday I want to try to do this. And you kind of work out some beats in your head. And then the episode starts and Genesee tries to go stab the orb. All right, well, that whole thing (laughs) is out the window. And uh, we're going to go off this direction now. uh, So... I mean, it's it's really fun, and I'm I'm kind of curious to see how she's gonna evolve out of this, especially, you know, how this whole thing with the refugees now that, you know, she doesn't know that they're in the city, but you mm-hmm. know, how's that gonna play out? And 
you know, it's just it's it's really interesting to see kind of some of those decisions that she's going to have to make. You know, is that portal really illustrates? Yeah, that's you know now it's like she's questioning that and um, and how is that going to work out? And then I don't know. It's it's going to be fun to kind of figure out. But what about what about you as a player? Do you think this brought you out of any shells, or do you think that you're interacting differently and trying to project? Or well, yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, you know, it's still different. I mean, you know, I'm sitting in an empty living room here talking to you guys on the magic little <laughs> box, you know. But I, it's just, you know, after playing RPGs for so many years around a kitchen table or around the couch or something like that. I'm used to having people right here, you know, mm-hmm. to interact with. And, you know, there are four or five people versus, you know, how many people we go out to a, a week. So it's, it's a little different kind of getting used to that. But I think slowly but surely I'm getting used to kind of how to work with that. Me too. Sometimes, yeah. some, someday I'll, I'll fill you in on the, the secret hidden number. You already have, so, and it blew my mind, yes. So, but, no, it's fun, and it's it's fun that I've, I've kind of had to modify this character, because I think I've said before, I mean, she's an older character of mine, and the core of who she is is kind of the same, but I've modified it a lot to kind of fit in with this. I mean, you know, it's just normally when she would have seen a spider like Fluffy, she'd have been flying at it, so... <laughs> But it's like, oh, well, can't do that because that would cause problems. Yeah, you've got a party member that would get very, very upset. I know, right? So, you know, it's a little stuff like that. I, I enjoy occasionally or once in a while being the devil on the shoulder of one someone. <laughs> hey, you could you could think of this situation like this. You know, that, that person is really trying to stab you in the back. And <laughs> that, G- Genesee always... Um, I always get a uh, a call from Genesee after if if I do that to Xanatari with like, yeah, Cesar's looking you know towards you a little funny. Maybe he's got some you know funky ideas in the back of his mind or something like this. And she's like, <laughs> you can't speak to Xanatari. Blah blah blah. I'm not I'm not speaking to Xanatari. I'm just presenting the alternative <laughs> viewpoint here. But speaking of that, uh, Eric. Mm-hmm. Past couple of episodes, uh, you've been running around, um, literally, or running away. <laughs> yes. Run away! You've got your new Paragon path that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you in terms of being a player from when you first started to to now? Do you think that you know, you've reached your Paragon level in relation to what you've done in the past, or...? Where are you at in terms of? Um, I think uh, something that's that I would like to work on more is is more interplayer relationship stuff. I think that was more strong when we were up above, and for some reason, I think a lot of it is the uh, the strong char- inter character development occurring between Thorn and Xanatari. Mm-hmm. It's kind of taking the front stage, which is, you know, just good. Develop that. Um, Cesar's been more sort of introverted. Um, I don't know if that reflects something on my side or if it's just sort of the way that the game is going at this point. 
It's been it's been a degree. I'll be honest with you on the side, kind of a degree of worry that you know it's it's more than just the character, but no, I I'm I think it's I don't know it, this I don't know how to I I'd feel like, like it's. To- I'd like to think I'd like to think that it's actually sort of a progression that Cesarus has taken. With his new Paragon path, he's more than content to be able to sit down with his robots and, and have essentially a, a an audience of little mechanical beings that he talks to. Right. Uh, you know, th- these are the things that understand him the best because he created them. They they have to. You know? And I, and I think that you're right that it, that sort of was created based on that choice, but I think that I'm just seeing where it's how it's come from there, I think I want to sort of step back from that or maybe complete that and move on because I, I find the dynamics of interplayer stuff more interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of been gone a little bit. I was made a little bit of an effort um, consciously with uh, interacting with Thorne at least a little bit. I know in one of the past episodes moving up to him, but... Uh, and now I'm physically separated, which doesn't help. <laughs> yes. But I'm sure that'll be changing soon. Um, uh-huh. No, that's, I, that's I something that actually, I'm... I think this is actually going to help you, um, Eric, being separated yeah. for the moment until mm-hmm. the party comes through. Because yeah. I think that's going to... Your curiosity and your other stuff, I think, is going to be able to start shaping what's to come. Mm-hmm. And in the, back, in the back of my mind, just like with, with Dave, I've got this whole thing in the back of my mind that... Here's how it could play out, but really, I'm sort of giving the linchpin to you. And once you see what's actually going on, right? Um, I think you're going to find quite a lot of opportunity, possibly depending on what you guys do, mm-hmm. for the interpersonal. Maybe some agreement with a party, maybe some disagreement with the party, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to bring back the focus on the players and the characters mm-hmm. versus um, an army or race of enemies unknown. Right. And I think another thing in the past multi-episodes, especially like in the room with the chest and dealing with these refugees, is that Cesar doesn't really have too much of a moral compass one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of moral decisions back and forth. And Cesar's like whatever, if it doesn't hurt us, like, you know, so he's not really conflicted either way. So in terms of that conflict with him, there wasn't really much to, to go off of just mm-hmm. in the terms of the way that I conceive of the character. Yeah. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons why you got picked as judge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess we'll see what that all means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've been <laughs> too busy trying to figure out the phantom drow mystery too. That's true. That's something. That's another thing. It's kind of separated me too. Like no one else is, you know, experiencing that. This, this is, this is, this is, this is one of those things where I have to like literally saw my tongue out to keep from spoilers (laughs) just because it's so freaking damn good once it is discovered. Um, you know, and, and, and it's not a, It's not something that I am going to forget until mm-hmm. it actually, eventually, maybe someday gets resolved. <laughs> Cesar has a son. It's 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 either it's either going to be Cesar's great foil, 
or it's introduced to more than just Cesar yeah. or whatever. But the, <laughs> Keep your the, options the, open. the one <laughs> I, I I honestly and genuinely believe that it, it's going to be more Cesar that figures things out and solves this solves this thing in the in the end mm-hmm. than Xanatari or Sabre or Thorn. Mm. And it's not to put a responsibility on you or anything like that, but just for dynamic sense in the back of my mind, those little nuggets that add into a character. Yeah. I think this one is ideally suited to you just because I, I don't know what's going to happen on the other end of that, that wall, Mm -hmm. both with you and with the character. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Cesar is a, you know, in a sense, a scientist in, in terms of trying to explore and figure things out. I think that's sort of right up his alley. It just reminded me, again, of something else. And this maybe is all just, I don't know if it's a result of it or if it's a part of it. Is you know, he also had that experience with his weird dream, mm-hmm. drow, drider thing, mm-hmm. which, again, was something separate that no one else experienced. So just trying to think of different ways, you know. Like I said, I don't know if that's a symptom or, you know, part of what caused it, but I see it changing, especially, I think, I don't know if it was just coincidence, but, uh, you know, I mentioned that Cesar didn't like being underground. I think that's sort of been coinciding with the times at which that feeling has sort of been, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of isolation. So I think getting back up is good. Yeah, I, I think in, in terms of the dreams, at, at points, there's the, here's the urgent sense of motivation. Mm-hmm. versus fear, dread, versus this really damn happening. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. it's trying to play to the to the many aspects of the story, but there there are tie-ins and there are reasons. Yeah. No, I'm sure. Um, None of it feels just random, to me at least. Mm-hmm. And maybe it even does a little bit to you in the moment. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, because, no. you know, I'll think back and I'm kind of like, well, how am I going to tie? I've got an idea for something and you know, I'm not really going to focus on until I'm playing with the rest of you. And then I'll be like, okay, wait, I've actually got this, this tie-in I can use from way back when that I remember. Right. Here we go. Um, that's, it, it's, it's been fun. Thorn, you started out as coming across as the Joker comedic character. Uh-huh. I know out of character that wasn't quite what you were hoping to be your your hallmark, and you've been playing Thorn since then in, in, in a variety of different roles. Who's changing who? Is the character changing you in terms of the RPG play, or are you physically taking the wheel on Thorn and trying to push him a different way? I think it's a bit of both. Um, it's it's strange. I, I was thinking about this while you guys were talking, and Thorn is Thorn suffers from a large amount of bipolarity. For he's one way one time, and then he flip-flops and changes completely the next next session. Um, and that's really just the nature of the character, but at the same time, I don't mind 
having the sort of Joker character as the comedic relief that is kind of necessary for the group, otherwise it gets too serious. But at the same time, you know, he's got his own backstory and it, and it is kind of tragic and, and a little bit dark and, you know, that then gets reflected through every other aspect of, of Thorn um, being, uh, you know, not quite good, not quite evil, though he's had this uh, alignment shift. Again, it's sort of like not quite good but not quite evil trying to make up his mind, sort of sit at fence sitting, you know, he'll do something good one time, but he'll probably flip over and do something bad the next. And I, I, I feel like I've tried to take the reins on him a little bit, but there are days where I just, I sit there and I don't know how to play Thorn. Like, he, he has a personality of his own, and I guess with, with every character, they've all got, they're all sort of an extension of our own ego or, or personality that we don't really get to show in in, in public. Um, besides through D four, um, and I, yeah, he just I I don't know he he takes on uh, his own sort of mood and when when you start playing him he he'll want to feel like playing one way but play something completely different and the situation ends up being a, a complex one where it sort of really forces. Not only myself, but Thorn to think about how he how he reacts in that situation, and I think, given where we are at the moment, he doesn't have a lot of fuel for those hijinks. I think um, with the whole chess situation, for example, that was still him being his slightly roguish self. Um, but still trying to be fairly mature about the, the situation. You know, he knew that it was the most dangerous chest in the room and kind of misguided self-sacrifice, maybe. Don't know. Um, that, you know, there was that whole treasure hunter element to the whole thing that, you know, whatever is in this chest has got to be good, right? Mm-hmm. Not going to go to the cult and give it to them. Or I don't even recall. Was I with the cult at that point in time? Yeah. No. Yes, I was. So you know what was in that chest could potentially just swing either way. Um, and I think the confrontation between party members is good. Um, it it forces Thorn to act a particular way, and it helps me sort of steer Thorn in that that direction. He's very much a, a wild card in regards to interaction and you know like like Cesar was saying um, there there is a lot of enjoyment that's to be had between player interaction you know Thorn and Cesar going at it um, you know it's it's essentially <coughs> respect your elders versus <laughs> young impatience you know Let's think about this. This, let's think about this puzzle thoroughly. No, let's just press the red button and see what happens. Um, <laughs> and though it's there is that conflict there. I mean, it, it kind of works. It's you know, I guess fatherly figure or grandfather type figure versus great grandfather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back in my day, we never had hips. We used rubber bands. Type, you know. 
I walked 50 miles uphill in the snow over razor blades just to get to school. Type sort of stuff. I actually, on the side, think that Cesar is the most, is the youngest character. Comes across mm-hmm. at, at, truly at the heart. youngest character. At heart, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Xanatari, Xanatari does well because she's the younger character thrust into the role of quasi leader. But she's carrying that Kalishtar group minds of memory thing yeah. um, that her people do. So her being sort of, I'm young, but I'm taking charge and kind of going through stuff makes sense. Sabre, because of the very limited amount of time in character that she's been doing with the party... Is really just kind of known as, you know, the rainbow pony. I'm going to light my fist on fire and shove it in somebody's face. There's not a full, true understanding of that character's dynamic. And then, sort of see Thorn as that enforcer middle ground. Not, not the, I don't want to go like down the troubled teenager route, but. Well, he's going through a crisis of life. I mean, he's. Yeah. You know, there's, there's. I think there are parallels to be drawn there, not to trivialize mm-hmm. it. I mean, mm-hmm. you can when you say that it kind of comes across as you know, unimportant. But you know, that's you know. But he seems he's to be you know coming across at as that the, crossroads. He's definitely definitely coming across as the older character right now in terms of, I have all these things on my shoulders. What do I do with them? Do I wear them or you know throw them off? Yeah. I mean, Caesar in a sense is about two months old. Yeah. You, know, you know, he's just, this is his um, rebirth, basically, you know, so it's all, I, it's, it's, I agree. It's, it's strange, because I, I, I find myself di- disagreeing with some of those uh, analysis. Analysis? Analysis. Uh, yeah, wow, marvelous. Um, uh, with that analysis, I, I find that, yeah, Cesar is probably the youngest at heart. I feel that uh, in this case, Xanatari is the the young leader that has the old soul. You know, she has all these passed on, all this passed on lineage and and memory and and stuff that she already knows from the Kalashtar. Mm-hmm. You know, she is an old soul in a young body. Um, I see very much Sabre being the middle ground in all this. You know, kind of the the moral compass of the group. Should we really be doing this? If you are, you feel like, I don't think this is going to... Sh- shut up. We're not talking to you. We're going this way. I think I think Sabre would be happy if we were all locked into a very small room with tea and scones and never stepped outside because there's big scary things out there. Well, I don't think it's necessarily so much that. I think she's more... She's used to being on her own, so yeah, it's like it's a sense of responsibility. She doesn't have to deal with other decision making. In fact, it's kind of funny, you know. Before we open the chest, I was I was conflicted about that, and it ended up coming down to a role for me, because if it had gone one way, I would have helped Thorn open the chest, but at the other, I would have stood in front of it with the sword drawn, going. No one's opening this chest, <laughs> and it came very close. And I'm almost there's part of me that kind of wishes that it happened, but the other part of me is kind of I like what has happened since. So, mm-hmm. I I I like the fact that it's 
uh, you know, where we come across a decision, whether we go through the, the through the cave that's covered in spikes, you know, wall to floor, and the only path is like a two-inch piece of timber that goes zigzaggedy across the top of the spikes, or one that is, you know, all glitter and rainbows and cushions and marshmallows, we point at the one with the spikes, and you're like, no, 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 that's the safe route. And we're like, shh, you don't know what you're doing. We're going that way. And, you know, even so, you're just like, you stand there, you scratch your head, and you're just like, what did I get myself into? And you still follow on, follow along, and, and you know, it ends up being a good time. It ends up being that the spikes are actually just made of, of the poisonous feathers. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's that's where I see Sabre, you know, being that moral compass that's slightly skewed, you know, um, not quite pointing true north, sort of erring a little bit. Um, and then I see Thorn within this group, sort of, again, like the troubled teenager, uh, you know, the orphaned teenager, the one that nobody understands me because, you know, <laughs> my life is a black abyss. Uh, you know, the, the, I won't say the whiny teenager, but the one that's probably the most mischievous, you know, the one that, that is kind of misunderstood and, and, and acts out in order to get, garner attention in order to then say, hey, look, I'm being useful. I'm going to press all the buttons. I'm going to flick this switch. I'm going to, I'm going to activate this thousand year old drone robot that's been sitting here in in the the dusty caves for a million years and and destroy a civilization are you looking at me now why doesn't anybody love me type (laughs) so so you're batman and your parents are dead okay got it yeah i i i would say that that's kind of the case you know on the one hand you know thorn tries really hard to be kind of badass but at the same time he fails at it he doesn't quite get there you know uh, example, when we were in Shadowfell Keep, slide down the chain, didn't quite make it, failed on the roll, ultimately fell to my bloody doom. And it was a, a bloody doom. I bounced off the Minotaur and, like, wounded myself terribly. And again, you know, he, he tries so hard, but doesn't quite make it. And, you no, know, the, the more mature he gets, he, I guess he makes the more Batman-like decision, you know, you know, we should do this, and it's quite quite a dark route. You know, we should we should kill him off before he can talk, or 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 that case. I don't think Thorn will ever leave another prisoner with Zanatari to be in, you know, <laughs> interrogated ever. Let, let's actually go and segue for just a just a smidge off that idea that you bring. And this is more probably towards. Um, Eric and Daniel, and let's go with Eric first. The oh. versus. I'm still here. Okay. Versus um, Dave, because Dave hasn't been around for this particular interaction. We've had people come and go in terms of characters and players. Mm-hmm. Is there any of the past characters that you thought your character would either ride the coattails of or be the most? impacted and since they left you've had to sort of rewrite where you maybe have thought you were going in the brain definitely definitely I think um, I think I probably had the best kinship with Mithrin by far um, 
Only because, again, he was kind of like that lost soul wanderer type character. Uh, and there was a bit of a kinship there, you know. He was still kind of the neurotic, let's let's not go that route type deal, but seemed to encourage me regardless. Um, an encouragement that, that is sorely lacking on Sabre's behalf. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the mischief came from, was was um, I got that sort of support from Mithrin to, to go and do my stuff, and I sort of wrote his coattails in that regard. It sort of allowed for an easier character interaction between the two of them. Um, kind of like, I guess, if you looked at, like, two young boys that were that were best friends, they get into trouble, you know, they, they pick up frogs and they bring them into the house and you know, that, you know, 1950s type, two guys go into the wilderness, you know, boys at the age of 12 with sticks and they go hunting or, or whatever and they come back and they've, you know, found a, a bear cub or something. You know, they, you know, one is like, I'm not so, so sure about this. And it's like, no, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. Um, and and that's that sort of interaction there. Um, I I surely got along with with um, the guys from um, the Geek Bits, but I, I think at at the same time they were so established that it was hard to. It felt very much like Thorn was the the outsider in that group. Um, he he had to. He basically ended up taking a vacancy that was left by those guys. So didn't really have the opportunity to ride coattails. He sort of stepped in and, and was sort of the quiet background brooding character until he could step into a void and, and, and make his own okay. personality. What about what about you, Eric? Um, well, um, I would say probably in terms of having to alter at least my view of how the future would go or, or, uh, you know, what I visualized would probably be, uh, razor just cause there was a, a, a pretty strong, you know, I was literally carrying the character around at one point, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I saw a lot of potential there in terms of, you know, just specifically, you know, interactions, uh, you know, with that that type of character, sort of is is right up Caesar's alley in terms of exploring a a kind of a relationship. Um, the other, and I guess in uh, there was also a sense with Mithrin less of a, a compatriot thing as with Daniel as as a more of a I don't know where this came from, but kind of like a a leadership or a, a mentor pupil type of deal in terms of not not even that Caesar is very worldly at this point he's quite the opposite but just he Mithrin struck me as as very green and I I sort of saw a little bit of of here watch me and let me because you know Caesar has dealt with a lot of you know shit for lack of a better word so that is something that he's you know uh experienced with and so I saw a little bit of that but probably the strongest one would be would be uh would be razor and with the overall sense that there are these stories and people people have left and things please don't for a minute think that their particular stories are over with you still have mithrin's 
crazy horned uh, whatever it is that Cesar's seen and interacted with a couple times mm-hmm. through the Time Tower, these stories will still somehow live on. And we've all we've all seen that time is fluid too. <laughs> yes, in this story, so. Um, you know, probably, probably the people. Oh, baby Mithrin, let's take care of you. you know, people, people probably won't be showing back up in, in person, but there still yeah. will be these tie-ins and, mm-hmm. and bits and pieces. But one of you brought up the interesting point of how the party is coming together in terms of people. Do you think that the dynamic that you all have is based on the fact that everyone is remote, or would we still have the same dynamic if this was a pencil and paper proper around a table and we could all see each other. I think it'd be totally different to be honest. Yeah. I think there's, um, I think it'd just be different. Um, I think there's limit the limitations in this. Things end up being more one-on-one. It's hard to be sort of in a, in a more than that in terms of a discussion because there's the whole, are you done talking? Okay, good. There's that pause. Now I can go back and forth rather than two people having to jump in. So the the interactions tend to be more more one on one, which obviously creates a different dynamic than when you have three or four people all jumping in and making decisions and and things like that. So I mean, I just I think that's a necessity of of how this this medium works in terms of not having those visual cues in terms of conversation to be able to work with. Um, and that it probably would have worked differently. I mean, I think that the basic, the foundation is all based just on our character choices, but in terms of maybe the, the ways we would be able to at least explore different conversations would probably have been different. There'd be a lot more throwing stuff at people. <laughs> yeah. Are you, you, you're a thrower, Dave? Oh yeah. Wadded up pieces of paper, dice. Yeah. That's part of the, that's part of the experience. Do you, do you think, do you think you'd be more about, you know, voicing your character differently or would it just be kind of, Hey, here's Dave and Dave is, Dave is talking. Or would you go that extra little, whatever it may be to bring Sabre up? Well, it's funny. I mean, that's something that always goes around in my mind because. You know, I do a lot of public speaking on a corporate level with customers and internal employees, and I have a lot of fun doing that because I'm right there with people and I can look at people and see their expressions and work with them in the crowd. And you can kind of do that with the Skype window, but it's a, it's a little harder, so it's hard to get that same feeling from it. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if we were all around a table, you know, there'd probably be more body language interactions. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, how how much further can I poke at this before, you know, Zanatari comes across the table at me or, mm-hmm. you know, how how could Thorne and I kind of lead over and, you know, whisper to each other or plan something out? And, you know. I, 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 would, I, would, I would be most interested, I think, in terms of dynamic because if I want to tell somebody something, I have to do it as out-of-character information. Mm-hmm. You know about it. If this was a traditional pen pen and paper, there'd be a lot more notes under the table. There's this little Ninja. bit, this little, that little nugget. Um, so I, I'm inclined to agree with uh, with Eric and, and Dave. Mm-hmm. What about you, uh, Daniel, since you are now technically here <laughs> uh, dealing, dealing with this experience in person? Um... I don't think it's any. It's changed 
by me being here in person. I think there's still the Skype dynamic, obviously. You're think, still in different rooms. <laughs> yes, yeah, just still in still in different locations. Um, Your latency is a lot better. Yeah, I'm not I'm not <laughs> roboting. It doesn't take like a million years to connect. Uh, I I think that by being by being here, but just in a different location, uh, we still maintain the whole Skype, the separated nature of, of the way that we play currently. How it would be if if it was more traditional, more pen and paper, table, at a table, you know, all surrounded. I think there'd be a lot more goofiness. I think, you know, we'd, we'd try and see how much we could get away with. Um, I mean, we went to 1D4Con, and I guess you saw with when we were playing Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. that, that, that goofiness that was essentially Thorn um, came across in the character that I was playing as at 1D4Con. You know, you know, just uh, the whole. Let me let me give some backstory to that. Um, we've got some friends, and and they they have um, a podcast as well that deals with role playing games. And Xanatari and Daniel and I went to went to this con. We sat down, and the first game we played was a Call of Cthulhu game by Chaosium, and it was set in. Um, I think it was like the 1920s type era, but the big premise of it was it's done in the style of a silent movie, so anything that we wanted to say had to be written out on these cards. (sighs) Wow. And we pretty much we went along with it because there was another person there with us and then there was the DM and the the DM was very much like, this is my baby. I really want to show off, you know, look at the nice baby. <laughs> Play Call of Cthulhu. We're going to do it 1920s da, 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 style. And I don't think that we rolled in there and, and, and made a fudge of it by any means, but you could tell that the guy who was the odd man out and not part of this crew mm-hmm. had no idea how the rest of us were thinking, but I knew roughly what Thorn and Xanatari probably would do in their situations and vice versa. So we sort of pigpiled on the DM. <laughs> and I'm sure that I think he mentioned at one point that he threw his adventure out where we you know it could have gone this way or this way or this way. And we we're like, no, 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 we, we got some dynamite over here. We'll take uh, path D. <laughs> there is no pathy. Uh, yeah, there is because we're already halfway down it. <laughs> yeah, we, we he he made the comment that we um, we spent a, a little bit too much time in one particular area, and that was the area that we actually finished the adventure in. Um, and we ended up yeah, it was just I think that that's a prime example. You know, after playing so long together on Skype. We have an understanding of how everyone sort of acts and behaves and, and, and what the characters are like. And again, I think no matter what RPG we play, that that personality that we all have, I guess it's kind of like RPG personality, will come across in every single game that we play. It'll always be the same type of character because that's what we like to play. That's that's how our type, our role. That's um probably the archetype, I would say, you know. Uh, there's a, a narrative from from what I studied during my course. There was a, a 
a narrative concept that there are eight archetypes within a narrative, within a story, you know, the rogue, the shadow, the, the hero, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I think all of us sort of encompass one of those archetypes when we play as an RPG or play in an RPG. In this case, um, sort of Thorn is, is kind of a mix between the rogue and the fool. You know, he does a lot of funny stuff and, and acts the clown, but at the same time, he's kind of a little bit out there. He, he does the dangerous stuff. He, he kind of acts as a catalyst to, to events that sort of throw the party into um, chaos. You know, and then you've got you know, Zanatari, who is, is kind of like the hero character, you know. She's the one that stands for all that is good in the world. And, you know, you there, evildoer, I'm going to interrogate you. And by interrogate, I'm going to burn you from the inside out because you are evil. Um, and, you know, Cesar is kind of, like he said before, the mentor-type character, you know. He's the one who kind of looks at things, picks it up, analyzes it, and, and sort of, mentors the other players and, and Sabrea again you're sort of like the the mage type archetype you know you're the one that sort of does all the the magically superfluous superfluous things you know for example your prestidigitation of just cleaning your cloak you know no one else would, would do that even with their magical powers I mean we've all got those utility mundane powers but we just never use them but you just make full use of everything because it's how your character is. I've, I've been really enjoying my imagination of late because I've gone back and I've been rereading a lot of other game systems mm-hmm. and I've been having these really fun dreams of D4 but done in the Warhammer 40k universe <laughs> and just how probably similar mm-hmm. the characters would be but just which how the classes and, and how they'd go about these these different things but it's, it's always been kind of fun as picturing that so what about what about you Eric do you think that if we, if we were in like a world of darkness or a Warhammer 40k would we be spinning similar tales or well I, th- I don't know I think maybe I, it's funny I, I kind of disagreed with what Daniel was saying in terms of you would see the same people because I've found myself just thinking of the different types of characters I could play um, and just thinking out you know I'm guessing at some point we'll we'll get to that assuming you know we continue on they're probably you know I don't know if we'll just continue with these same characters forever or not you know or you know if say someone did get annihilated you know what new what new partner would join and I don't know mm-hmm. I could see I could see at least myself and I'm sure it's probably a a difference in you know player personality too um you know uh things that I you know like for example playing you know a uh literally down the line dumb as bricks uh lawful good paladin or something like that you know like just so like i could just see the the fun in that in terms of you know i don't know you know just just exploring different things that that what i'm doing now i could i could see at least myself doing that so um also, I wanted to say just quick before we get too far from it, the I think it's funny that we were just talking about the limitations we have in Skype. I think it's funny that the RPG you guys end up playing in person is one that imposes limitations on your conversational skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> so we're, we're holding up like a dot, 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 or Yowzers yeah. or mm-hmm. something, but yeah. You still don't get that, that full experience that we were just talking about. I just think it's that's funny. I'm sure, I mean, I'm guessing that wasn't a conscious choice. 
is probably just a coincidence. But. Well, I, I found it funny that we actually probably had a little bit more character interaction in that way because we ended yeah. up having like a bunch of pre-made cards that okay. you know, um, that eventually we just used for everything. For example, my, my key card was one that just said gas. Yeah. You know, and, and every time that something happened, you know, regardless of how little or big it was, it would be like, gas! <laughs> and then, you know, obviously my character being the roguish type was in the shadows, so, you know, people would, be, would respond like, where did that gas come from? It would be like, nowhere. I'm, I'm just... just- I'm just really glad that the pan- the uh, there's no video of me pant of my pantomime singing opera oh, yeah. <laughs> exists out on the internet. <laughs> You're probably in the background of someone's video. Don't worry. We'll oh, find I it. probably am. <sighs> Bastards. <laughs> no, but I, I think our I th- to be honest, I think I mean assuming that we do play different characters, even if there may be similarities in the way we play them, I think that we would make different stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dave, any sidebar comments from anything that's been talked about so far since you're sort of the 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 new but old hand with RPGs but new new to this particular environment? No, I mean it's you know, a lot of the core concepts I think are the same. I mean it just you're you're trying to tell a story in a story that's being told. I mean, that's there's games that I played where people just, oh, well, I create this character and it's just a bunch of numbers on a page. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything besides, you know, shoot a gun or swing a sword or cast a spell. But I think where the fun is, is just how we interact with each other and, you know, how we try to fit in and figure out what you're doing around us or to us or for us or, you know, it's like, okay, well, crap what am i going to do now i mean and it's it's just fun to kind of think through a lot of that since we are just a little bit north of an hour even with the um delay that we had starting does anybody have any last topics they want to bring up to talk about or anything in closing i'm just i i'm excited to see where we go in the future we've got a lot uh a lot more to go in re- regards to this campaign. I mean, how far through it? Are we like 50%, 75%? I don't know. I can't tell. I don't in, think there's in, an answer to that question. <laughs> in, in, in my brain, if I was pushed for a number, right now on. there are at least six active separate threads that could be pulled in at any point in time. You're on thread whatever number. And... In my mind, if I was pushed to give a percentage that you guys are complete for this overarching tale of this company from, you know, not just the Keep of the Shadow Fell and Seven Pillared Hall, you guys are maybe only one or two percent done with ideas and things that could happen. Oh man, I'm going to have to go back and fight all those hidden items then. Damn. <laughs> Um, you know, and it just sticks off the top of my head. I could, I could pull more, but there's at least, yeah, there's at least six active things right now that could, could come into play. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me, I'm really excited for what's coming down the pipe, but if something else changes, I'm no less excited. Mm hmm. Do you, um, are you going to be even, acting under the charade of, of running a module anymore at this point? 
I think the charade of the model helps people try to keep in, in their mind that for us, it's been five months. For the characters, it's been a week. I think there's so little structure in some ways because of the house rules and the other components that Alicia's just saying, hey, it's a campaign of something. Just a season. I mean, I mean, speci- I mean, the the idea of running under a pre-written thing like a, the Thunderspire Labyrinth or whatever. Yeah, I think I think that I think that was given up a long time ago, and it's all yeah. just kind of a wink and a nod now. Okay. Um, <laughs> you should just pick a random book. Say we're doing this book next. <laughs> well, <laughs> then we just go because there there are, there are elements from Keep of the Shadowfell book that we never touched upon that mm-hmm. I've drawn in. To hmm. here, there's, there's, I think you guys, for actual content from the Seven Pillared Hall, maybe touched about 10% of it before the story went off on its own way. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of different ideas that I can go, okay, well, here's, you know, some frosting over here that I could use, or hey, that's kind of neat. Right. But, yeah, I think in terms of going, okay, we're on page 16 of module, whatever. <laughs> more more so now, we've been talking about seasons, you know, we're in season 3. We're still in the technical module 8.2. But until you guys actually leave the seven-pillared hall, it just doesn't make sense to switch to, you know, no, yeah, I know. whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Besides the fact that we're Paragon. <laughs> it's... It's Paragon, and you guys, you guys are moving fast through the mm-hmm. levels. Yeah, but it's, I think it's it's a pacing that makes sense, and it's not because wow, I know that around the next corner there's a, um, you know, a challenge level twenty thing that you guys all have to fight. It's more this makes sense that you guys would have accumulated enough wisdom to go. Mm-hmm. I think I can do this. Do you do you see a, a, a foresee an issue with us? You know, at this rate, you know, we'll probably get to you know in the foreseeable future get to max level. Do you see a, an issue in terms of storytelling at that point? Once we have whatever abilities and powers that unlocks, I've just I know I've never really I've never been in an, in a campaign with characters leveled that high, but I've heard that that can be an issue in terms of the DM dealing with, you know, actually presenting obstacles to characters and interesting choices and things like that. Whereas they, it's something where they can't just snap their fingers and make it go away. I think if there was an issue where we're sitting down just playing pure pen and pencil and paper and, you know, you are on page 13, you're fighting this group. Mm -hmm. I think the structure of it would kind of creak under the weight of higher level characters. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I don't believe so because there have been challenges presented to the party that are not related outside the to rules. level, yeah, or they're not related to you must do this role in a particular way. Mm-hmm. But if you guys get to max level, there's always the immortal levels. Mm-hmm. You know, can always add in different components. There's mm-hmm still a lot of the questions of, well, you have future selves, but are those future selves more or less powerful than right. you guys are now? 
Mm-hmm. What is what is that deal all about? So I think since I haven't been pushing for total party kills or just the impossible <sighs> situations or situations that would encourage, per se, the, well, I can cast Disintegrate, so I'm just going to disintegrate this tower. Yeah. I'm thinking the... My thought is that the hunger for the story could outweigh some of the potential dick moves that one would find (laughs) at a convention... That nobody will actually say anything about because it doesn't matter once they leave the convention. Yeah. Like Sanitar's stupid mind block, huh? <laughs> that that thing has foiled me so many times, and I don't actually plan around it. That's why when I do something and she goes, hey, I got the mind block, I'm like, mm, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't view it necessarily as the dick move, but there are things that I will say... And she'll go, I've got the mind block. And I'll go, no, it doesn't count because of this. And it's a valid yeah. versus I'm just going to take your, instead of me taking the, the Joker card and yeah. ripping it up for that episode, it's the, you have defined the mind block as X and Y yeah, through historical play. Okay. That's, <laughs> you know, you've taken a potent tool. You have shaped the tool on the grinding wheel of Xanatari. Stuff can and will get through it, but I can also use it as the the um, you know as as a plot hook of hey by the way something's going out mm-hmm. yeah something's some something is mm-hmm. triggering the canary in the cage yeah I don't have to sit there and tell you tell her what is doing that right but I can use that to the advantage of. Mm-hmm. Hardy don't know what they want to do next. Mm. Mm, okay, you know, can maybe rattle it this way, or it's actually a benefit, and right. you guys might be borked if mm. it didn't go off. Right. Alrighty. I think, unless anybody else has got anything to say, uh, we can wrap this up. And since I didn't do the date at the beginning, this is May the 10th, 2013. Farewell. Good night, this, everybody. And this was Death Before the Solar. Mm-hmm. Tune in next week. Where I will babble incoherently about something and whatever. Good night, all. Night. This podcast is a part of the Signals Media All-Star Network. For more information on this and other fine shows, go to SignalsMedia.com. It's okay to stick our stuff in your ears. Really?